invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Isn't that a, you know, we just sing Sweet Hour of Prayer. Isn't that a lovely song? Amen. A lovely thought. You know, it's it's good when you can get together with your, your friends or your family and, and have a conversation and talk and, you know, share with them your problems. But folks, listen, there's nothing like getting in alone with God and being able to pour out your heart to him. Remember we talked about Hannah last week on Mother's Day and uh, it says that she poured her heart out to God and when she got done, she, she was happy and she was refreshed. That's how we should feel when we have spent time alone with God. So uh, what a lovely song. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20 will be our text. We won't get through it all. We're going to look probably at the first half of this section this morning, verses 1 through 13. Uh, and then we'll pick up tonight with verses 14 through 20. So when you find your place, Mark chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 20. And if you're able to, let's stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. Mark chapter number 4, verse number 20. I'm sorry, verse number one. And the word of God says, And he began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and destroyed it up, I'm sorry, devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they were about him. They that were about him, uh, with the twelve, asked him, uh, asked of the parable, asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted, and their sins should be forgiven. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know how and how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside. Where, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately received it with gladness. 
and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful, Lord, for this day, and we thank you for your word. And so, Father, as we are gathered together, Lord, with uh, a tent of hearts and a tent of ears, Lord, we are now focused upon your word. And so, Father, as we open up your word, we have read it, and now, Lord, we ask that you begin to teach us. Lord, show us great and marvelous things in thy word. Lord, help us to understand that we may apply these to our hearts and live them out accordingly. And Father, we pray for the one that might be here that's lost, Lord, that through the preaching of your word this morning, they may be saved through the convicting power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our failures. Lord, give me the words to say this morning. Fill me with your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As we last looked in uh, the book of Mark in the previous chapter, we saw where uh, Jesus was sitting with some tax collectors and some other uh, people that were uh, sort of of the uh, uh, delinquent group, we could say. A great multitude that the religious leaders would have never uh, found themselves uh, with. And as he was in this house and he was ministering unto them, uh, there was there's there that uh, believed that Jesus was uh, beside himself. In other words, they thought that Jesus was maybe just losing his mind for whatever reason. And so we saw that uh, in the last passage in verses 31 through 35 that his family came to him and they were looking after his well-being. And so they were calling for him uh, to come out. And Jesus took that opportunity to teach a great message about him and about what it means to really be a part of his family and that message was that it has nothing to do with blood relation in fact he would go on and teach the religious leaders the pharisees and the sadducees of his day he said he would teach them that because you think that you're a child of abraham that you should have part in the kingdom he says listen he says god is able to raise up of these stones children of abraham and so what he's teaching is, in this passage, is that it's not those that are connected by blood that matters uh, as far as the family of God is concerned, but it's those that have been brought to a spiritual reality that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and those have put their faith and trust in Him uh, by the grace of God. Those are the ones that are going to be part of God's family. Not by blood, not by anything that your parents have done, not by anything that you uh, have done yourselves as far as works, baptism, church membership. None of that gets you anywhere with God except it first be mixed with faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that was the message that was taught. So he says, these, if you're here this morning, Jesus would look at you and if you were saved, by the grace of God, washed in His blood, He would look at you and say that you are His family. 
But to those that have rejected him, you are not part of his family. And you will stand before a holy God and give an account for rejecting Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we begin with what's known as the parable of the sower. The sower and the seeds. In the previous chapters, we have seen many things that Jesus has done. It's mentioned His teachings. It's given small portions of His teachings, maybe a generality statement. But it's been more focused on what He has done. Focused on His works. This morning, we will focus on the words of Jesus. As we focus on the words of Jesus, He begins by giving this parable. The multitude that was there, it, it got to be so much, it says He began again to teach by the seaside. So He's left the house, and now He's beginning to teach by the seaside. But, listen, there's all this great multitude coming about Him. And so, in, in this area, if, if He was to just maybe have stood on the seaside and, and even screamed out, there would have been some people that couldn't hear Him. But I've talked to several people that, that have been over to the Sea of Galilee, and I've heard from several experts that when you go out there and you actually get on the sea and you speak out, that it's almost as if a, a, you're in a, a, an auditorium and it's given a great projection. And so you could just speak and, and it just expands out to everybody that's on the seaside that would be able to hear. So because of this great multitude, he pushes himself out into a boat and gets in the middle of the sea and begins to preach and begins to teach these things. And he does so with parables. This morning, I want us to look at the parable given. If you want to make some headings uh, for this passage, verses 1 through 13, I want us to head that one as the parable given. Then verses 14 through 20 will be the parable explained. This morning we'll look at the parable giving. And so I want us to notice what it says here. It says there was, he was in this great multitude. This great multitude came out and entered into a ship and uh, went out into the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea of the land. It says, and he taught them many things by parables. Now what is a parable? The word parable comes from two words. Um, and it means to lay alongside of. In other words, he's, he's taking one teaching... And he's going to use another teaching to illustrate that teaching. You get what I'm teaching? <laughs> Say amen. It is, it's, we would maybe call it maybe an analogy today. And so he was he's laying out what it means. He, and it gives us what the teachings are. It says in verse number um, 11. It says, Unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. So when he's talking about these parables, he's laying out a, a story, an illustration, alongside of what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. Kingdom teaching. And he's using illustrations that people would get. And in this certain case, it's that of a sower. Someone that's planting seeds, a farmer maybe. And he's going out and he's planting this seed. Uh, and he's, when it talks about him uh, sowing seed, he's using a, a method of uh, planting called broadcasting. Uh, for some reason, I did not catch the green thumb side of the family. 
but I can remember we would always plant crops. We always had uh, at least a field of corn growing or something growing at our, at our place every year. Um, and I can remember we would have a uh, we had a tractor that we would go out and we'd plow the field and then uh, we would hook up. Uh, uh, I just know it was a green box <laughs> to the back of the tractor, and um, as that it had wheels on it, and when we would pull it by the tractor, uh, it would. Uh, the wheels would turn something inside of it and it would cause the seed that was inside to be cast out like wide, just spread out wide. That's broadcasting. Now, of course, in these days, they didn't have that technology. It was all done by hand. And so the person that was planting seed, he would just have a sack of seed on his side and he would go out and he would pick up a handful of seed and he would just kind of throw it out. I remember uh, my, that's how we would feed our chickens. My uncles would go out and they'd take their uh, go to their chicken pens, they would kind of, kind of cast it into the uh, chicken coop. Well, they would do that with seeds as well. And so this is this farmer, he's, he's scattering seed. And this would have been something well known to the people. Let me say this, Jesus is using an illustration that the people get, that the people can understand. First of all, let that be a lesson to us that if we're to share the gospel, we need to be, able to be able to explain it in a way that people can understand it. We need to be able to communicate the gospel clearly and use illustrations that they can get. One thing Anna will criticize me over, and I know it's hard to think that my wife criticizes me, but she does. And so she'll always say, you know, you use some big words that I just didn't understand. And I'll think, well, what did I use? And she might call off a word, and I'll like, you don't know that word? I thought everybody knew that word. And then I'll talk to some other people, and they'll be like, no, we didn't know that word either. And so I try to, to watch the words that I say, and if I give a word that I think maybe went over somebody said, I'll try to explain it. Uh, I even had a person here one time, uh, uh, one of the uh, youth in Sunday school, <laughs> they, came, they came to me, and they was like, look, we don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> So I said, all right, I'll try and do better. Because we need to be able to communicate the gospel clearly and be able to teach clearly and use illustrations that they will understand. And that's what Jesus is doing. This is an agricultural community. People planted, people farmed. And so he would take something that was very familiar to them and teach them something concerning the kingdom of heaven. And he does that with his teaching about a farmer. And this farmer is going out to sow, to plant seed, to scatter the seed. And he talks about this soil. And the soil that he mentions, there are four types of soil. And one of them, it says in verse number four, it says, It came to pass as he sowed, it says, Some fell by the wayside. The wayside would have been beside the road. That's what that means. And in this day, the uh, crops would be planted and uh, there would be roads that would lead, uh, go through the crops. Now, if we know anything about roads, but with constant travel, what happens? As uh, buggies and foot uh, feet are, are constantly going over it, it would be packed down, wouldn't it? It would be pretty hard to uh, soil. And so it scatters and falls on the wayside, packed down hard. And because of that, the seed cannot sprout. It can't grow. It can't get any uh, moisture that it would need. And so it says, some fell by the wayside. It says, the fowls of the air 
came and devoured it up. Of course, we know that birds like seed. You all, if you have a, if you have a uh, bird feeder, you put seed in it, and so the 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 fowls, the birds of the air, would be waiting for the uh, planter, the sower, to move a little bit forward so they could come down and swoop up and and peck at the seed and devour it. That's one type of soil. Then another one, it says, fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. This would have been ground that uh, had had a thin layer of topsoil over it, but underneath it would have still been some hard, rocky soil. And so that thin layer of topsoil, the seed would have been able to sprout a little bit. It would have been able to get a little bit of moisture, but not really to, to dig its roots down deep into anything. And so because of that, it would spring up, it says immediately. And because it couldn't get any root system going, it says the sun would come and scorch it and burn it up. It would wither away. Then, as the sower goes on, he's sowing the seed. It would fall upon thorny ground, it says in verse 7. And the thorns would grow up and choke it. This would be thorns, weeds, anything like that, that that would prevent the seed from being able to grow. If you have a garden or uh, anything like that planted at your house, you might take care of it and you have to go out time and again to do what? To weed that sucker, right? Because if not, those weeds will choke out the seed that's been planted. And so is this. It says it would spring up and then it would be choked out by the weeds and yield no fruit. But then it talks and he says that some fell on ground and did on good ground and yield fruit. It would increase. It says it would bring he says it would bring forth thirty, sixty, and a hundred. Now let me explain something. In this day, when they would plant, they would be lucky to get on average six to eightfold of an increase in their crops that was planted. Ten would be above average. But Jesus catches their attention when he says this fruit falling on good ground would bring forth 30, 60, and 100. He's about to teach them something in the next portion, and he wants them to be attentive. I remember in Bible colleges, we would take methods of Christian teaching, homiletics, uh, sermon preparation. They'd always tell us, and I'm, I'm, I'm bad at it, and you you can tell, I'm sure, that whenever you, they would say, begin your teaching, that you would always want to have a hook. Something that's going to draw the person in to get them ready for what you're teaching them. That's right here is the hook. Because they would have never comprehended something a hundredfold production. And so he's got their attention. And then he tells them in verse number 9. He says, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. In other words, this is an important teaching. And if you've got ears, you need to be paying attention. Does that sound familiar? 
You know, if you're here on Sunday nights, we've been going through the book of Revelation. And when he's addressing the churches in Revelation chapters 2 through 3, he always concludes it with, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. In other words, he goes from talking to the whole church, and then he says, this is beyond the whole church. This is to those that are within the sound of my voice. You need to hear these things. This isn't just addressed to this multitude that was gathered together on this day, at this hour, as Jesus Christ is teaching. This is to all uh, people that would hear the Word of God in any generation, in any day of time. In history, in any point in time in history, into the future, if you are hearing these words, he says, you need to be paying attention. Let that be a reminder that we should always be quick to hear what the Word of God has to say. He's warning. This is almost like a warning to them. And then he he goes on to give the reason for this parable of verses 11, verses 10 through 13. It says, When he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked him the parable. He says, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. These are the disciples that actually want to follow Jesus, that he's teaching these things to. He's, he's preached and he has proclaimed. The message of the kingdom. That's how he began his ministry. He began his ministry after being baptized. He would uh, go and he would say, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in doing that, he would see the religious rulers that should have recognized the miracles that he did, heard the teaching. The people recognized that his teaching was not like anything they had ever heard before. They said he's not he's not preaching like any other rabbi. He's not teaching like any of these other people in the synagogues. He's teaching and he's preaching as one with authority is what they would say. And so he says unto you the church that he's beginning unto you this church those that are my followers, those that are my disciples. He says, it's given to you to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. He says, but to them that are without, those that are without the church, those that are without Christ. He says, it's not given to them. He says that seeing they may see and not perceive, in verse 12. Hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven. What is he saying? Verses 10 through 13 seems like a hard teaching. That he is teaching in a way that those that are truly wanting to know him would grasp. But then there's others that aren't going to know. And he says, he says it's not given for them to know. He says because if they were to know these things they would repent and their sins would be forgiven. Don't that sound kind of harsh to a uh, a modern day crowd why would he do that well what we see here going is he's basically giving the religious rulers because that's really who he would be talking about those that have rejected him and his teaching he is giving them over to what uh, 
some theologians have uh, called a judicial hardening. This is what happened to Pharaoh. Remember when Pharaoh would, uh, was being addressed by Moses? And Moses would go and he would say, let my people go. And the Bible would say time and again that Pharaoh hardened his heart. Then he would go and he would say it again, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. After a couple of times it would say, Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then finally it would say what? God hardened Pharaoh's heart. He was giving Pharaoh just what Pharaoh wanted. In Mark chapter 3, the religious leaders have heard Jesus teach time and again concerning things, especially the Sabbath. And so in Mark chapter 3 and verse number 6, we see how they truly feel about him. Mark chapter 3 verse 6, it says, And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. They've made up their minds. They are not going to listen to anything Jesus Christ has to say. They're not going to listen to his teachings anymore. They're now, they've made up their mind. They want this man gone. They want him killed. And so they take counsel as to how to get rid of him. John chapter number 1 verses 11 and 12 says he came unto his own and his own received him not but here's the thing the ones that didn't receive him the religious rulers the Herodians those that rejected him they didn't want him but it says but as many as received him verse 12 of John 1 to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. You see, what we have here is a comparison, not just of the teachings of the kingdom, but we see also how different people will receive the word of God. You've got the religious leaders that have rejected it, and you've got these disciples who he says unto you, those that have received me, those that are the sons of God now. He says, it's given to you to know, to learn, to learn the mysteries of the kingdom. But not to them that are without, not to them that are outside of me, not to those that are uh, rejecting me. You see, the teaching here is this. Those that are without Christ. They have rejected him time and time again. They have hardened their hearts against him. They will never be understand. They will never be able to understand the truths of God's word. You want a good illustration of that? Look at abortion. We can scream until we're blue in the face that we are not supporting women's rights being taken away. But every time we say abortion is a sin or abortion should be illegal, they say you're just against women's rights. No, we're not. In fact, we're for women's rights. It just happens to be we're for the rights of the woman that's in the womb right now. But that's the way the world sees it. The world sees the teachings of God's Word. When we preach about sin 
And we say that homosexuality is an abomination to God and needs to be repented of. They look and they say, you're intolerant. No, we are tolerant, but we love you. We want these people to be saved. But the world doesn't see it like that. They have rejected. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 says the natural man cannot understand the things of God. Because they're spiritually discerned. And that's what we see here. The, the natural man rejecting the things of God. And so Jesus is saying, okay, you've rejected me. I'm giving you over. He says, you are being judicially hardened right now. He says, so I'm going to get to the people that truly want to know the word of God. Listen, if you are here this morning and you are saved by the grace of God, you should be desiring every chance, every opportunity, every second of the day that you have to hear the word of God, to read the the word of God you should be taking advantage of why because the word of God is our spiritual food Amen. we cannot live by bread alone Jesus said but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God and for those of us that think there's something wrong with the word of God when we can't understand it or when we don't agree with it the Bible, the problem is not with the Bible, the problem is with us. Let God be true in every man alive. If you're having trouble comprehending something, it's just because you maybe just need to study a little bit more. Listen, I'm horrible at math, I'll give you that. You know why I'm horrible at it? Because I don't study it enough. You know why some people can't understand some things about the Word of God? Because we don't study it enough. Can I say that true biblical teaching and preaching behind the pulpit of most churches is almost gone in today's modern church? Amen. People want to look to preachers like Joel Osteen where he'll rerun verse out of context and then run with it. And preach about how uh, you should be happy and healthy and wealthy and all this other junk. Does never promise to a child of God. But Jesus, he's speaking to the church and he says, listen, it is for you to know these things. And we'll get into some other things later on tonight as we look at the second half. But he talks, like I said, he, he's, as he closes out in verse number 11 and 12, he, he says, these people that are without, that have rejected me, he says, not give them to know. You know, one thing that really scares me is that I believe the Bible teaches that God still does this. That he will still give somebody over to a judicial hardening. Give them what they want as a rejection of Christ. This is what it says in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 1. It speaks of these people that have rejected God. I won't read this entire passage, but it begins in verse number 18. But I'll pick up in verse 25. It says, 
Well, let me go ahead and read verse 22. It says, Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Speaking, it's, it's, it's teaching that, that man has began to worship the creation more than the creator. And people today might not be making images of, of, uh, of animals, but yet they'll still worship animals. They'll still put animals on a, on a pedestal that was not really meant for them, and they, they give uh, animals equal treatment as human beings. And even better, listen, you can go out and you can, you can crush an eagle's egg and get uh, fined uh, thousands of dollars and thrown in prison, but isn't it amazing that you can go and you can kill a baby inside the womb and not get anything? We've elevated creation above the Creator. So it says in verse 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness, to the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. This speaks of uh, uh, homosexuality. But then it says in verse 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, listen, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Some people will take this and say, well, homosexuals can't be saved. I, I don't go that far with it. Because look, and look here. Even he's not even just including, he's not even just talking about homosexuals. Look, he says, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventor of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Gave them over to a reprobate mind. In other words, giving them over to judgment. Harden their hearts. I believe there comes a time where God starts just stops dealing with a certain person. And to me, that's a scary thought. But now what are we to do with that? What do we just say? Should we say that if God's going to stop dealing with a person, that we should, should stop witnessing to somebody after two or three times of witnessing to them? No. Listen, we don't know God's mind in this. Amen. So as long as we're here and as long as we're the church of God, as long as we have been commissioned to carry out the, uh, the great commission to witness and take the gospel into the world, listen, we need to boldly proclaim it to anybody that has ears to hear that they need salvation only found in Jesus Christ. No matter what sexual orientation they are, 
No matter what side of the track they come from, no matter what sins they have committed in the past, they need Jesus Christ. And if we're the church, as Jesus Christ is saying in our text, we should be learning these things. Taking in the Word of God and letting it grow in in our hearts to produce. So this morning as we come to a close, let me say this. We as a church have been commissioned to carry out the Great Commission. We have been called to stand forth in a dark world and shine a bright light. The church is a city on a hill, we're called. We're to let our light so shine among men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. By the way, and if you're here this morning and you are claiming the name of Jesus Christ as a Christian, there should be good works following that. And if you're out there and you're gallivanting around like any other lost person in the world, you stop using the name of Christ. Because you are not His. And if you are, you need to be convicted by the Holy Spirit and repent and return back. I urge with you and I plead with you this morning. Repent of your sins and come to Jesus Christ while you still have breath. If you're living for Him, man, listen. Do what you can to get the message out. I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching myself. I'm preaching to anybody that is listening. Time is too short. Life is too short to waste over petty things. Churches arguing. People arguing. Gossiping and all this other garbage going on amongst ourselves. Life's too short. People need to see the love of Christ. They need to hear the message of Christ. Because that is the only means which God has ordained to save people. So let's stand to our feet for our final hymn of invitation. How have the Lord's dealt with you this morning? Let Him continue to deal with you. Pray with me.